On the day of Pentecost, we heard the good news of God that Jesus preached to his disciples, and we heard it in many languages, for it is a message for the whole world. In the parish I attended that day, St. Bede's in Santa Fe, New Mexico, we heard first the passage from Genesis in which God punished the arrogant citizens of Babel who tried to build a great tower so they could reach into the heavens and gain power equal to God's. The people were punished by God who divided the human race into groups, each with a language incomprehensible to those of another community. And although the story of Babel is a parable, it becomes a story told to remind people that we need to seek reconciliation in all the world and that the true conversation, the true story to be told is the good news of the Christ. And yet, though Jesus has spoken, we do not necessarily accept, understand, and believe sufficiently. Today, the three lessons all lead us forward from the declaration of the good news to every person, no matter the race or language. In the passage from the first book of Kings, Solomon prays that all people who hear of the God of Israel and are inspired to come to join worship in worship with the Hebrews will be welcomed. Solomon is urging his people and his God to accept the foreigner, the outsider who comes to be with them in worship. He is urging the reuniting of all people in the homage to the Holy One and also telling the people of Israel not to turn away the outsider who hears the same call as the Jews. Paul, in his letter to the church in Galatia, also makes a strong case that there is just one message for the whole world. And that is the message he himself carries directly from his encounter with the Christ on the road to Damascus. He tells the Galatians, don't believe the others who have shown up to teach you about Jesus. Paul says that only he has the true teaching of love and inclusion. And he has this directly from Jesus. Others who had come to Galatia were those who insisted that to become a follower of Jesus, one must first embrace the whole of Jewish ritual and legal practices. For example, these other missionaries wanted the Galatians to be circumcised, to follow the dietary laws of the Hebrew scriptures, and to become, in effect, Jews before they could become Christians. Paul, however, believed and taught that an acceptance of Jesus' teachings to love God and to love their neighbors as themselves and to be baptized in his name constituted all that was necessary for salvation. He wants the people to understand the simple and direct message of Jesus. Galatia would have been, for most of Jesus' original followers, a truly foreign country. It was in what is now Turkey, in the area of modern Ankara. Settlers from Gaul in southern France had come there as refugees in the second century BC. So the wide division between the culture and beliefs of the Galatians and that of the Jews of Israel was striking. Paul's concept of simple and direct belief was effective and significant. We see it in his appeal to the basic human need for love and acceptance of freedom from costly and complicated ritual and binding rules rather than open freedom, acceptance, and immediate grace. 
Paul had already argued all this with the apostles in Jerusalem, and he was adamant that Christ's message was simple and direct and, more importantly, intended for the whole of humanity. And as we ourselves experienced, this did become essentially the position of the early church. Having considered these two biblical passages calling for direct experience of the grace of God and its availability to all people, we can understand more clearly the significance of today's gospel passage. Remember that during Christ's ministry, the area we call the Holy Land and beyond was under Roman rule and domination. Military occupation and all that that implies was the rule of the day. A story of the faith of a Roman officer is at once surprising and reassuring. We understand this man's power, and we can imagine the power his conversion to belief in Jesus the Christ could have on those who were present for this demonstration of faith. Luke's gospel, we've observed before, is full of stories of healing. That the author of this gospel is presumed to have been a physician may account for this. However, most of the scenes in Luke's gospel that tell of healing include the laying on of hands, the administration of some substance, perhaps not for for healing, but for effect, so that people could see that something had actually been done to the patients. But here there is no such action. Jesus doesn't even get near the patient. Instead, the one who summons Jesus, this Roman centurion, believes so strongly in the reality of Jesus' power that he, a man of another kind of power, believes that if Jesus wills his servant's recovery, then his servant will recover. Here it's the non-Jew, the foreigner with life and death power over the whole community, the pagan who is sworn to follow other religious practices, who professes and expresses the greatest faith. Whereas the people of Babel were punished for trying to equal God, the work of Christ's unifying power brought into one community of belief the Roman officer, the Jews who were present for the amazing recovery, and in ways only suggested in today's readings, the whole world. As our psalm today says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the whole earth. Declare his glory among the nations and his wonders among all people. The message of Jesus is simple. Paul's urgent insistence is what eventually won out in Christ's church. The simplicity of belief suggests a step toward a reconciliation lost at Babel, demonstrated in the many saving and healing works of Jesus, and heard anew at Pentecost. During this past week, Joe and I drove west from New Mexico. Last Sunday, we were in Utah, where it's not always easy to find an Episcopal service. Instead, as we traveled southwest on Interstate 15, we decided to visit the lesser-known section of Zion National Park, Kolob Canyons. We'd been there once before on an overcast fall day. Last Sunday, we visited in bright spring sunshine. The sky was glorious, blue, the cliffs a russet vermilion, wildflowers still fresh, and each tree and bush a blazing green. We found a wide pullout on the drive back out of the canyons and set up our folding chairs. And without the utterance of a single authorized passage, we experienced a beautiful and holy time. 
The natural world spoke in one language to us, all its elements coherent, clear, and simple. We felt the beauty and love that Christ's message bestows upon the world. We weren't worshiping nature, but we were experiencing a wholeness and harmony that echoed today's psalm, Worship the Lord in the Beauty of Holiness. Such experiences help us recover the heart of wholeness so we can have the best of God's gift, the coherence of beauty in the natural world and also the loving family of the church, the peace of solitude, and the joy of this community of faith. Heart, soul, mind, and strength were all engaged. Today, we, we can gather to worship together in clear and coherent simplicity. The followers of Jesus are obviously not fully united in one voice, in one denomination, in one language. But we must always strive to remember that the love of God and the reconciliation of all creation is Christ's message. Amen. Amen.